for just a minute about something that I'm learning to do. It may sound rather strange, but I'm learning, I'm learning to walk again. Here's what I mean by that. When I was growing up, um, thankfully was, was honored to grow up in a Christian household. And especially as I became a teenager, my older brother and I were just going off doing what we do and, uh, you know, getting our driver's license and dating our girlfriends and all the rest that goes with that. And I found myself on a regular basis walking out the door. And my dad would say this to us every week, just about, he would say to us, he'd say, boys, be wise men and make wise decisions. And I never forgot that. And I also was sort of in that stage of life where a little too cool to stop and have a long dad, father, son conversation about what do you mean by that? But I would walk out the door almost every time thinking this, two things at the same time. One, on one hand, I know exactly what he means by that. Don't be stupid, right? Be a wise man, make wise decisions. Don't be an idiot. I don't, like, he'd always say, don't, don't let me get that phone call, you know? On the other hand, I didn't know exactly what he meant. I thought, what is, it, what is, wisdom, what is this wisdom thing all about? And on one side, of it, I know what it means to, to sort of go about this business of doing the right thing, doing the wise thing. But if someone had stopped me and said, tell me what that means to be wise. What is wisdom? What are the criteria by which you determine if something was a wise decision or not a wise decision? And I couldn't, I couldn't answer that question. I often would ask, what is this thing of wisdom and how does it actually relate to my Christian life? And as I dug in, even as a teenager, I was quite serious about trying to understand how do I walk faithfully with the Lord? And so I would dig into the scriptures and wisdom was one of those things that pushed me back farther and farther into the biblical story to understand what is this thing? I think my dad's right about this, even if I wouldn't tell him that, but what is this thing and what's it all about? And I discovered things like Proverbs chapter four, this imperative of Proverbs that says, get wisdom, get understanding and all of your getting, get wisdom. I remember for the first time coming across that and thinking, that sounds just as strong as go and make disciples. That sounds just as strong as love God and love other people, get wisdom. But no one had ever really taught me what that was and what that meant. Continued on in the, even just reading the Bible for myself, trying to understand what's going on, discovered that Paul says that Jesus is the wisdom and the power of God. What does this mean? How does this relate to my everyday ordinary life? And I think, at least in large part, what it means is that we have to learn how to walk again. This metaphor of walking is the dominant biblical metaphor to describe how people live. It is the metaphor that is draped over the entire biblical story for us, saying this is how you ought to live. It's a, it's a language of this is how you ought to walk in God's world. This is the way of wisdom in God's world. I think especially of Deuteronomy chapter 10. 10, Deuteronomy chapter 10, beginning in verse 12 and following. Uh, just, just to sum it up, Moses gets after this notion of walking when he says, what does the Lord require of you, O Israel, except that you love me, fear me, walk in my ways, says the Lord. Love him, fear him, walking in his ways. And think about that. When, when Moses is saying this in the book of Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy, this is Moses' final words to his people. Imagine having to stand for that entire sermon. But this is Moses' final words to his people. And here he is, he's walked, he's, he's, he's carried them out of Egypt, God's faithfulness to bring them out of Egypt. He's been with them through the wilderness wanderings. They didn't walk with the Lord during that time. They wandered and they were, uh, they were disciplined by the Lord, chastised because of their lack of obedience. They ended up wandering for 40 years. And here Moses, now his final words to them. And he's saying in all of this, this lengthy two-part sermon, as it were, his parting words to his people. And in a few different places, he sums it up 
Whereas he's recapping their history, he's reminding them of all of the laws and the instructions that they have to have. He's telling them, this is how you ought to walk. This is how you ought to live when you go forward. And in light of all of that detail, all of that length, all of that rehashing through their past, in just a couple of places, in Deuteronomy 10 being one of them, he says, what does the Lord require of you? That should get your attention immediately. If you haven't got, as Moses saying, if you haven't heard anything else, get this. What does the Lord require of you except that you love me, fear me, and walk in his ways. We move forward in the biblical story of this theme of walking. And we see that even after Moses has given this clear instruction to those who wandered from the Lord, yet are God's people nevertheless, that even as Moses has given this clear instruction and God takes them on into Canaan and allows them to conquer Canaan, but they still wander from him. They don't walk in his ways and he's upset with them about this. We carry into the book of Judges and they're still wandering from him. They are seduced by another way. They're seduced by the way of the foreign gods. They're seduced by the way of the other nations. They're seduced by foreign women. They're seduced by foreign idols. They're seduced by another way of living that's not in accord with the way of the Lord. Then we come to the psalmist who opens his entire book, this entire Psalter of 150 songs to God. And he opens with this, blessed are those who walk not in the counsel of the wicked, standing in the way of sinners, sitting in the seat of scoffers, but the one who delights in the law of the Lord. And he ends that opening psalm, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, a blessed, flourishing, and everlasting way, but the way of the wicked, that way will perish. We move forward in the biblical story to the wisdom literature, just to pick out Proverbs chapter nine, for example, where in this passage, these two ways, this way of wisdom and this way of folly are personified by two women. We open up there in Proverbs 9 where Lady Wisdom is hard at work. This beautiful passage of Lady Wisdom, Dame Wisdom. We, we see her again in, in Proverbs 31 famously. But here she is in Proverbs 9, hard at work. She is mixing her wine. She's fixing the bread. She's built her house with her own hands. And then she sends out her disciples, as it were. She sends out her, her servants. And they go out to the highest place in the cities. And they call out, whoever is simple, enter in here. This is the way. Whoever is naive, enter in here. And she says, eat of the bread that I've made, drink of the wine that I have mixed. And then she goes and gives them wisdom. She gives them life. She teaches them this way of the Lord. And then it's contrasted with this other woman with very seductive language. This woman, woman folly, when she comes onto the scene, we see her that she hasn't built her own house. In fact, she's just sitting on her doorstep. She's not working at all. And she's not pre pre preparing her own meal as if she's actually put her hands to the plow, so to speak, and prepared this for her people. She has stolen wine. She has stolen water. She has stolen bread. But when she starts to talk, she too climbs to the highest place in the city. And she cries out and begins to sound just like Lady Wisdom. And she says, whoever is simple, enter in here. The exact same words that Lady Wisdom started out with. But we listen long when we listen for, for wisdom. At first, perhaps these ways look similar. Perhaps they sound the same. When I was about 16 or 17, learning to play the guitar, pitiful though it may have been, but learning to play the guitar and someone taught me how to tune the guitar, right? You know, you can do it on the fifth fret and the fourth fret on one of the strings and so on. And at first I couldn't get it. It took me a couple of days. I couldn't hear it. But after I listened for a while, eventually I could hear it. To Proverbs chapter four also, tune your ear to wisdom. Let us hear this way of lady wisdom, which calls out to us. Lady wisdom calls out to all creatures, to walk in the way of the Lord, this way of life and of blessedness. The alternative way is the way of death, this way of futility, of vanity, of purposelessness. 
There is no third option. There is no neutral in between as if, well, you know, I haven't really decided which way. No, we are either promoting the way of wisdom, the way of God, the way of Christ in his world, or we are not. Our apathy is not some neutrality. We're actually in that process walking ourselves down the way of death. We move forward in the biblical story. This whole notion of walking doesn't go away. In fact, the plot thickens quite a bit. We get to the prophets. Jeremiah, for example, I think we can think of all of the prophets, major and minor, that God is furious with his people for not walking in his ways. There are some beautiful and good parts to this too, but God is furious with his people for not walking in his ways. Jeremiah chapter 7 The Lord says this, but this I command you, I gave them this, obey my voice and I will be your God and you shall be my people and walk in the way that I command you that it may be well with you. Walk in the way that I command you that it may be well with you. But Jeremiah goes on to tell us, but they did not obey and they did not incline their ear, but they walked in their own counsels and the stubbornness of their evil hearts and they went backward, not forward. The prophet Amos We open this scathing text. God is furious with his people. He's not just furious with his people. He's furious with the nations that surround his people. Amos chapter two, God's people are described as transgressors. In other words, you you only transgress if you are walking somewhere you ought not walk. They're trespassing in a place they're not supposed to be. God's people are described as going astray. They're walking in the way of their foolish fathers in Amos 2. We open to Amos chapter 5, and the description of their walk is something like this. They have trampled the poor and the oppressed. Fathers and sons have slept with the same women. God's people have participated in the same abhorrent evil and oppressive injustice as the surrounding nations, all while they live in what Amos calls their paneled houses, what we would call our beautiful brick houses with nice granite countertops. And they're happy and satisfied in that while they live this way. They walk in this way. God is furious with them. And when we get to this famous part, Amos chapter five, near the middle of that chapter, God says, take away from me your songs and your sacrifices. In other words, I always hear it this way, that your Monday through Saturday are so pathetic. I don't want your Sunday. Micah chapter six. He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but that you do justice and love kindness and walk humbly with your God. Then there's silence for some time. Then this one called John, we name name John the Baptist. Welcome to the Baptist Seminary. John the Baptist comes onto the scene and he says this, I have come to prepare the way. He said, I've come to prepare the way of the Lord. And the one who comes after me, it's very interesting what he says. This one, I'm unworthy even to untie his sandals. Why sandals? Why not gloves? Why not belt? Why not robe? But he says sandals. Because this one before whom he comes to prepare the way is the one who says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. We walk like him. The people of God in the book of Acts then following the glorious resurrection of our Lord Christ. These people are known as the people of the way, Acts tells us, that they are persecuted. The people of the way are persecuted in multiple places in the book of Acts. And then comes this brilliant apostle Paul 
who comes on the scene. I've come to think of Paul as the walking apostle. He's walking all the time, not just physically walking in so many places that he goes, but this theme of walking is all over his text. It's all over his letters. Ephesians, Colossians, 1 Thessalonians, 1 and 2 Corinthians in particular. Let's think just for a second about Ephesians. Ephesians chapter two, perhaps a famous uh, passage that we're all quite familiar with. We open up in Acts, in, in Ephesians chapter two, verse one, and we were dead in our trespasses and sins in which we previously walked. But then we get to that beautiful verse four, which begins with, but God. A friend of mine says the most beautiful but in scripture. But nevertheless, but God, who is rich in mercy and with this great love with which he has loved us, he's made us alive in Christ. And now by the end of that section, we're walking a different way. But it doesn't stop in chapter two. It gets to chapter four of Ephesians where he opens the chapter, the way that we've numbered these chapters, it turns, the the entire book pivots right here at the beginning of of Ephesians chapter four where he says, therefore, brothers and sisters, walk worthy, walk worthy of this call to which you've been called in Christ. In the unity of the spirit and in humility, walk in this way. And then he doesn't stay in his lane as he goes on into chapter five. Some of the really fun passages of chapter five and chapter six. Clearly Paul had read Dr. Bruce Ashford's book that every square inch in fact belongs to the Lord. And so when we get to Ephesians five and Ephesians six, this walk has now worked its way into our work and into our parenting and into our church membership and attendance and into our marriages and into how we employ other people in every part of our life. There's not a single part of this that walking doesn't touch it affects every rhythm of our life our entire life church family parenting workplace rest friendship even in second john verse four the beloved disciple says i was glad to find some walking in the truth he says and this is love that we walk according to his commandments this is the commandment just as you have heard from me beginning from the beginning so that we should walk in it So in the beginning, God walked and talked with his people in the garden, walking with them along his way, no doubt. God's people walked away eventually, wandering along a path that pretends to offer the good life, but in the end, its way is death. In fact, the Proverbs tells us that not only is that end in death, but Lady Folly is there and there are bones under her bed. And then the serpent is, in, is, is introduced here in Genesis 3, the one identified as introducing this other way into God's good garden and into his good world. And that one who is responsible for introducing this way is cursed to crawl on his belly the rest of his days. In other words, the one who introduces this alternative way of death into the world will never walk again. But God reestablishes his way through his word, Jesus, the one who is the way. Now as God-fearers and God-followers, this is the command that we walk as he walked. And how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news and who walk in the way of the Lord Christ, the one who's the power and the wisdom of God. Thus, I'm learning to walk again. And here is where wisdom intersects with the good life, I think. We might say that the good life is found at the corner of wisdom and way, and that would be fair to say. This way of walking doesn't come naturally to us, yet through union with Jesus and the filling of the Holy Spirit, we submit to the rule and to the reign of Jesus over all of our lives as citizens of his kingdom first. We do this in our families, in our friendships, in our work, rest, education, even our sufferings are submitted. And this is part and parcel of the good and the beautiful life. Even suffering identifies our walk. And we walk with him, 
hollowing out habits and routines and rituals and rhythms individually and corporately that promote the wise way of Christ in the whole of his good world. And in so doing, we model what it means to be truly human and fully human in the whole of God's good world. And thus ever are we able to pray, thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. My name is Benjamin Quinn. I'm learning to walk again. This time the wise way, I hope. And I ask that you would join me in that. Thank you for your time.